The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello there, I'm Peter Strachan. Welcome to another edition of Stock Heads Rock Yarn. Uh, last year, we spoke to BPH Energy. Uh, the company had recently raised some cash at that time, some new equity, and they were pursuing investments on several fronts. Now, David Breeze, who is the chairman of BPH Energy, is with us today, and I can see that he hasn't been letting the mistletoe grow under his feet over the last couple of weeks. The company has been very busy on a number of fronts. Welcome, David. David, to this uh, talk. Um, can you just run us through firstly, what's happening on the energy front on uh, in New South Wales and what's happened to the investment that the uh, company has in PEP 11? So thank you for that um, introduction. Just by way of uh, uh, a brief introduction, if you look at the uh, New South Wales energy market just today and the press in Western Australia, those uh, developments are uh, illustrative of the entire energy transition difficulties which Australia is in at the moment with the uh, shortfall in energy. Just to recap for listeners, if you look at what's happened just now in uh, New South Wales, the New South Wales government uh, through its energy minister has just announced that they want people today to turn off uh, anything that is superfluous by way of uh, pool pumps, uh, washing machines and anything else between the peak hours of five to nine tonight. Why is that so? Because it, there is a difficulty in providing enough energy into the New South Wales market given that it's now reaching 40 degrees uh, C with uh, very high humidity today. Now, I touched on Western Australia, but I'll just take you back to that. Western Australia has, again in the last 24 hours, through the avenue of AEMO, the National Energy Regulator, announced that there is likely to be a shortfall of gas supply into uh, Western Australia over the next several years. Now, when you look at that in context, you'd say, well, Western Australia doesn't matter to us, to the rest of Australia, but in fact, uh, it has been mooted previously that Western Australian gas would be a solution to the shortfall of energy into the uh, Eastern Australian markets. And that's clearly not so. And, and uh, Peter, as you've just uh, informed me, there is a, a new uh, fertiliser plant but starting up in the Burrup, and that's also going to consume additional amounts of gas coming into the near term. So, in fact, Western Australia can't be a solution through LNG transport into Eastern Australia, and Eastern Australia uh, has to provide more gas into that system. And what we've seen is the uh, Energy Minister, Mr Bowen, in speech, in a speech that he gave uh, just in the last 10 days or so, confirmed that uh, gas is a critical part of the energy transition. And we know that because AEMO 
has already said that even out as far as 2050, that we're going to require in Australia 10 gigawatts of uh, gas-fired uh, peaking plant in order to make sure that as the renewables come on much stronger that we're able to provide enough electricity into the marketplace. Now, Victoria is also going to reduce by around uh, 50% over the last couple of years going through into the next several years the amount of gas that they also are going to be able to put into that system. So today, the Victorian Energy Minister announced that they would be making payments to people to transition from gas appliances in the home into uh, electricity uh, generated by renewables through their system. And of course, uh, that's because of that gas shortage in the system. Yeah. So what you have in New South Wales is a substantial amount of people who are both domestic consumers and industrial. In fact, you've got 300,000 people who rely upon gas as part of their um, uh, work uh, continuity and uh, uh, business operations. And so, in fact, we really need more gas into that system. And uh, that may have been a more extensive explanation of what's going on at the moment, but it shows the potential importance of the PEP11 project. I can touch on the other projects if you wish later. Yeah, uh, so, David, tell us about that because uh, BPH Energy is a 36.1% holder of Advent Energy, which has this interest in PEP11. What's the status of PEP11 now for Advent? So we made application to the federal court uh, and the government settled that the previous uh, Prime Minister's ruling on the PEP11 extension be set aside and we're currently waiting for the uh, government to uh, extend the permit in order that we can put into place uh, the rig that is necessary to uh, drill and to make a submission to NOPSEMA of our environmental plan for that review process to be undertaken in the uh, over the next uh, six months or so. So, David, what's the size? What's the size of the prize at the Baleen Prospect that you have off the New South Wales coast? So, the prospect is a prospective recoverable resource of five point seven TCF. If you put that into context, Bass Strait has produced six TCF of gas over the last sixty years, and that's supplied all of Victoria, a substantial portion of New South Wales gas, and uh, also into other states, including Tasmania. So uh, the PEP11 project has the potential in the success case to uh, provide enough gas into New South Wales to substitute for um, significant downturns in other sources of supply. Yeah, so... Gas, uh, gas from the Cooper Basin is in terminal decline, and as you say, gas from the Gippsland Basin is in terminal decline. The only supply, a big strong supply of gas at the moment is uh, coal seam gas, and that's quite expensive, and you just have to keep drilling more and more wells every week just to keep it uh, steady. And the government has committed to Japan, Korea, Taiwan, and other international customers for that coal seam gas projects that goes into the 
LNG export facilities up in Queensland, that their contracts will be honoured. Now, what's more in interesting or uh, compelling in terms of the uh, whole of the Australian energy market is up in Northern Territory, the second LNG plant up there is shut down awaiting new sources of LNG. And of course, that's impacting the uh, gas that might otherwise be taken from the Northern Territory gas fields down into the Eastern States. So in fact, Australia really does need more gas and that's why the uh, government through DESA did the future gas uh, strategy consultation paper and, and submissions on that closed on the 27th of November. And uh, we expect uh, that the uh, those submissions will be released for a public review in the near future. All in all, Eastern Australia needs more gas. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, even Woodside has said that they're, one of their six LNG trains up in the Northwest Shelf will be uh, mothballed uh, later next year. So they're, they're running out of gas for the Northwest Shelf and they're waiting on this new gas to come in from um, Scarborough. So, David, um, what, what's the time frame there on, on getting the environmental reviews and, and then uh, moving forward with, uh, with PEP 11? So the, um, the first step there is the approval by the government of the extension and uh, that's currently with the minister. We know that because NOPTA has made a recommendation to the, the joint authority uh, and we are, we're awaiting that outcome. We then have to go through the same environmental review and approval process as any other project in Australia. And the review process is currently taking up to a year, but uh, there has been a significant number of approvals that have just come through in the very uh, recent uh, past, in the last few weeks, where approvals have been given on uh, a, an extensive number of environmental plans. So there see, seems to be a change in the way in which Nopsema is now dealing with those environmental approvals. That, however, can still take between six to nine months. So what would be the cost of, of drilling a well at this location? How deep is the uh, the target reservoir? So we haven't released uh, through the BPH ASX platform any numbers on that at the moment. And the primary reason for that, of course, is we've not yet entered into a contract uh, and we need these other approvals that I've just referred to to be passed through. And of course, it will change as to whether we are uh, utilising a jack-up rig or a semi-submersible, and neither of those have been put into place, so I can't answer that question at the moment. Okay, so BPH has also had another interesting investment in a hydrogen technology company, Clean Hydrogen Technologies. What's the status there? What's happening? So as we announced on the ASX platform, and we've put that into a series of uh, uh, slides. We've invested uh, two million US dollars through BPH and Advent into clean hydrogen technologies, and uh, they've been working through the scale up of their uh, plant operations in India, and uh, they are currently producing both hydrogen and 
carbon in the form of carbon nanotubes, nanotubes and carbon black. And so we know that the process works and it's now going through a scale-up process. And we're very happy with the way in, in which uh, they are working because the anticipated cost of production of hydrogen produced through this process uh, is around $2 a kilogram, and that's right in the sweet spot for our hydrogen. Yeah, that's the target, isn't it? What's the raw material that's used uh, to, to make the hydrogen? Uh, methane gas. Okay, yep. So you're capturing the carbon, which is all good, and you, you've got a low-cost project to, for, you know, process to make uh, commercial hydrogens. So that's how. what's the time frame, do you think, on this test work and pilot-scale work that's going on? Unfortunately, I can't provide a clear answer to you because we've not put that yet into any ASX releases. Yeah. So the other thing that BPH is doing, I think, is quite an interesting medical technology company called Cortical Dynamics. And you've got this BARM, B-A-R-M technology. David, can you just run the listener through the, the technology there and, and what's the benefit? So BARM is a technology that enables the anaesthetist to better monitor the depth of anaesthesia when the patient is undergoing an operation and, of course, you have both analgesic product and anaesthetic product um, when you're um, having an operation. And the anaesthesia monitor enables the, uh, the medical practitioner, the anaesthetist, to evaluate the depth of anaesthesia and to assist them in the uh, process of evaluation of the effectiveness of anaesthesia. It uses the brain's electrical activity or the EEG. And uh, the big development for cortical dynamics in the last uh, few months is, in fact, the uh, acceptance by the FDA of the BAM technology into the FDA uh, process in the United States. Now, uh, we also have uh, announced again over the last 12 months that the integration with the Philips display screens uh, testing process has been accepted by Philips so that we now can sell our technology into the more than 50% of operating theatres around the world that use the Philips uh, screen, which shows simultaneously blood pressure, pulse rate, and each of the other vital signs during an operation. And the real point for the listeners to, uh, to understand and investors to understand is that when we integrate into a system like Philips, that's a display screen that is already in the operating theatre and that means that we don't have to then provide the display screen at cost or at substantial cost to the hospital. And so we're only adding at that point the sensors and the data acquisition monitor or the dam as we call it uh, into that process and so the cost of acquisition to the hospital is significantly reduced 
and the uh, process to enable that transition is uh, significantly enhanced. Yeah, so anesthetics are pretty high-tech business and you don't want to give the patient too much and you don't want to give them too little. So this is a way of knowing when you've just hit the right amount of of, uh, anesthetics for the uh, particular patient you're dealing with. Very important. In fact, as the population of the world ages and more people at an older age group are now receiving operations, it becomes uh, equally as important uh, or uh, of greater importance that that their their, uh, depth of anaesthesia is appropriately monitored. Now, the the other aspect that I touched on is the depth of analgesia, and that was the way in which this system was designed to also monitor analgesic effect on the patient as well as anaesthetic effect on the patient. And that's the step that we're looking to get approved in the next phase of operations. So, David, a very busy time for uh, BPH Energy, and you've got the Advent Energy and through that to PEP11 and the developments there. You've got the um, hydrogen technologies, which is piloting, and you've also got this very interesting cortical dynamics. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell the listener about BPH Energy's activities over the last six months and what you're looking forward to in 2024? So the other aspect that people uh, should please understand is that in this uh, diesel gas paper that uh, that the government put out, they said that within the next 10 years, we're going to have a shortfall of gas supply into the eastern states of Australia of uh, 800 petajoules a year. Now, that's really significant because that's more than all the gas that is consumed domestically by Victoria, Tasmania and Queensland. So a project like ours is potentially extremely important into that market mix. Yeah, as a a sort of a transition fuel. Uh, It's going to take a long time to build all those uh, wind turbines and uh, photovoltaic cells. And of course, what people don't understand is that these um, technologies mostly produce uh, direct current, certainly photovoltaic does. It all has to be um, modified to be put into a grid so that the grid can take it because the grids, of course, were built to take different technology technologies that are 100 years old and as we move into the uh, the renewable space uh, there's as much i think investment to go into the grid as there is into the actual machines that generate the uh, electricity so yeah it's going to take a while to get that kit on the ground isn't it david you're absolutely correct and in fact if you look at the snowy hydro um, uh, program at the moment it's gone from a $2 billion cost to as much as $10 billion, and some commentators have said that it's $20 billion, uh, and it's out to 2030 before that uh, program can be bought to bear on this energy transition process. So gas becomes a really important element. Yeah, and of course, Snowy Hydro is not a power-generating system. It's a battery. It's a water battery, effectively. Uh, pumped hydro, so uh, to 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 meet the the times on those uh, windless dark nights when nothing's coming from wind turbines or photovoltaic. So, 
David, very exciting time for you. Thanks for coming in so close to Christmas. And uh, I think on behalf of our listeners, we'd wish you all the well for the uh, holiday period. And thanks for coming in to talk to us today. And yourself, Peter, and to the listeners, uh, an enjoyable Christmas. Thank you.